Today is Saturday, it's the 11th of February 2017. In today's Dhamma talk, I will talk about metta as having a good heart or to be kind. And I will also speak about metta's place in the entirety of the Buddha's teaching and highlight a few aspects of this metta meditation practice. I want to begin with a quote from the Dalai Lama. Once he was asked what his religion was. And the Dalai Lama gave a very short, simple answer. He said, my religion is kindness. Kindness as metta is not something that only pertains to Buddhism or to any of the other religions. Kindness is a universal human quality that can be found all around the world, that can be found wherever human beings are. And even other living beings, like animals, they show kindness, show kindness to other animals, to other uh, beings. And this quality of being kind, being friendly, to have a good heart, is something that two Irish friends, they are Catholic nuns, they really embody this quality of kindness. I came to know when they came to live here in Burma and do their quote-unquote missionary work. So when they came to Burma, before they started to do anything, they took two years to learn Burmese and to get familiar with the Burmese culture, with Burmese customs. And so they told me that uh, uh, some time ago, they were living in a Muslim village in the Philippines. And their kind of work in that Muslim village was simply to live there and to be good neighbors. And as good neighbors, they helped people, for example, to fill in a form, or they took somebody to the doctor, or they showed them how to plant medicinal plants, or they taught the women in this village how to sew dresses for their children. And so they stayed in that village for altogether eight years. And then it was time for them to move on, to go to a different place. 
And when Kathleen and Margaret, these two Catholic nuns, when they left the village, the people there were actually very sad. They didn't want them to leave. But as they left, the people there, the villagers said that these two Catholic nuns helped them to become better Muslims. Near Mandalay, in the town of Amarapura, there is a very famous monastery. It's called the Mahagandayon Monastery. And it was founded by a Sayadaw called Mahagandayon Sayadaw. Mahagandayon Sayadaw lived from 1900 to 1977. And, as I said, this monastery became well-known and very famous throughout Burma. And also, Sayadaw Uindaka, he has studied there for many years. So this Mahagandayon monastery was known and is still known for its strict discipline, and for the high quality of the teachings. It's a learning monastery where novices and monks study and learn the scriptures. Mahagandayan Sayado himself, he was a very learned monk, and he had the gift of teaching the Dhamma in a way that also lay people could understand. For example, he taught Abhidhamma to lay people in a way that this rather highly complicated matter was in a way understandable for lay people. He wrote many books in Burmese, and as far as I know, this book on the Abhidhamma teachings called Abhidhamma in Daily Life is the only one that has been translated into English. So as I said, in Mahagandayon Sayadaw's monastery, the, the monk's discipline, the Vinaya, had to be followed very strictly but on top of that, Mahagandayan Sayado set up a list of ten points which the monks, the novices, had to follow. And the first and most important point is to have a good heart. Other points include to keep one's body clean, to keep the environment clean, to be pure in speech. And only the last, the tenth point, was to learn and study well. And we should remember that this was a study monastery. So I think 
It's quite significant that a wise and learned monk like Mahagandhi on Sayadaw stressed the importance of having a good heart, giving it much more weight than passing all the exams very well. And in the explanation of these ten points in regard to have a good heart, he says that we should act, speak, and think with a good heart, always thinking of how we can benefit ourselves and others, always trying to avoid any harm and suffering for ourselves and others. So if our actions of body and speech spring from a good heart, then they will be beneficial, then they will be wholesome. So now, highlighting some aspects of metta and the practice of metta meditation as being part of the Buddha's teaching. Within the Buddha's teaching, there are basically two approaches to meditation. One is the so-called samatha meditation, the other one is vipassana meditation. Samatha meditation is also called tranquility meditation, concentration meditation, and the aim is to establish a deep level of concentration. And as Sayadaw has pointed out, a deeply concentrated mind, um, that state is called the jhanas, the absorptions. The aim of vipassana meditation, also translated as insight meditation, is to develop insight, understanding and wisdom, which then leads to liberation the complete liberation from any kinds of dukkha, suffering. For the practice of samatha meditation, tranquility meditation, there are 40 different objects given in the scriptures which can become the object of one's Samatha meditation. And among these 40 objects, we have the so called kasinas, devices or discs of, for example, colors blue, red, or white. Or included are also six types of reflections to reflect on the attributes of the Buddha, the Dhamma, or the Sangha, for example, 
or the four Brahma Viharas, the four divine abodes. So, when we engage in the practice of Samatha meditation, then we choose one of these 40 objects. And so whatever object we have chosen, this object then is the focus of our meditation. It's the only focus of our meditation. So this is the nature of practicing Samatha meditation. We only have one single object, and so we try to focus on it all the time. If other objects arise, we try not to pay any attention to them. We try to ignore them. We try to keep the focus on this one object we have chosen. Or another object that can be chosen for Samatha meditation is Anapanasati. So to be focused on the in and out breath. So then we one-pointedly focus our attention on the breath going in and out at the point of the nose, the nostrils, or the upper lip. So we just keep our focus there and know in, out, in, out, and so on. And so with this practice, this Samatha meditation practice, then gradually the mind becomes concentrated. Thoughts are becoming less. And the more the mind becomes concentrated, the more one feels happy or joyful or calm. And this happiness or the joy, sometimes they can become almost ecstatic or calmness can become very quiet, very calm, very peaceful. So, being in this deeply concentrated state, it's definitely a nice state. And in the scriptures, it's described with the following words. A peaceful abiding here and now. But this peaceful abiding here and now can also become a state that meditators get attached to, a state that meditators do not want to get let go of it anymore, or they crave to attain it again and again and again. So, metta, as one of the 40 objects for Samatha meditation, belongs to the group of the four Brahma-viharas, the four boundless states. 
and these four boundless states, you know them also from the chants that we do in the evening. And on one of the chant sheets, uh, you have these four qualities of the Brahma Viharas with short explanations. So metta as loving kindness, friendliness, benevolence, or universal love. And for the practice of metta meditation, as you know, we take a certain phrase, a certain wish to express or put it or put this benevolence and friendliness into words and so a possible wish, a possible phrase is may all beings be well, happy and peaceful or it could be may all beings live at ease and in peace the second Brahma Vihara is Karuna that's compassion and a possible phrase is may all beings be free from suffering or may all beings be free from danger and enmity the third Brahma Vihara is Mudita sympathetic joy which can be expressed as May all beings enjoy safety and abundance. Or may whatever happiness beings have attained not be lost. And the fourth Brahma Vihara is Upeka, equanimity. And the classical phrase for Upeka is <coughs> all beings have karma as their true property another phrase statement could be things are as they are so metta loving kindness is the basic and general attitude with which we relate to other beings. And so this basic attitude should be one of kindness, of friendliness, of benevolence. Then compassion, sympathetic joy and equanimity are a bit more specific but they all build on the basic foundation of having a kind disposition meaning a kind attitude in all our actions of body, speech and thoughts as we relate to others so compassion is metta that encounters suffering, pain or distress. 
It is said that the heart quivers when it encounters suffering of any kind. Although the heart quivers at the sight of suffering, distress, it doesn't mean to suffer with the other being. But instead, we really have this sincere wish that we ourselves or the others be free from the suffering. And we have this sincere wish to relieve the suffering. I think uh, this is a very important point because compassion is not a painful or unwholesome mental condition. So it's not that we get drawn into the suffering that we encounter. On the contrary, compassion is a positive mental state, a wholesome mental attitude that is open to the suffering, even to the degree that the heart quivers. But with compassion, we envision an improvement of the condition. And so compassion is willing to go, to go out of one's way to help the other person or being. So it's really this willingness to help others. And from this willingness to help, from this willingness to relieve or weaken suffering, from this comes joy. Then sympathetic joy or mudita, this is metta when it encounters happiness, when it encounters success or wealth or good health. It's the ability to rejoice in the good fortune of others. It's the ability to rejoice in the happiness of our neighbor. Or it's the ability to rejoice in the success of our rival. Equanimity or upeka, this is a bit different. It has a slightly different flavor. Upeka is a balanced state of mind that neither feels joyful and happy nor distressed and sad. But upeka equanimity is not indifference. Equanimity is based on understanding, the understanding that things are as they are, or the understanding of karma and its results, basically the understanding of cause and effect.
The classical description of these four qualities is the attitude that a mother has for her four children. There is metta for the little baby, meaning there is just this general wish of the mother for the well-being and happiness of her little baby. Then there is compassion for her six-year-old child who is sick. So there is the wish to relieve the suffering that the child is experiencing because uh, it is sick. And then there is sympathetic joy for her teenager who is doing very well at school. And so the wish that her son will continue to have good marks in his exams. And then there is equanimity for her grown-up child who is now an adult and lives her own life. So allowing her daughter to live her own life not to interfere with her daughter's life. Bhikkhu Analayo is a German monk who is a great scholar, but also a very dedicated meditator. And he uses this, the following analogy for these four Brahma-viharas. He says, imagine that you are in a cold climate where the sun is experienced as something pleasant and positive. Metta is like the sun at midday, which shines its rays on all without making any kind of distinction. It gives warmth and light to all who are receptive to it. It's just there, radiating. Compassion is like the same sun at sunset, when darkness is very close by. Compassion opens the heart to all the suffering, to all the darkness in the world. Even though darkness is very close by at the time of the sunset, the sun shines all the more beautifully, coloring the whole sky and shining a warm light on everybody. You all know how beautiful the light can be at sunset. Then, sympathetic joy is like sunrise, early morning. The birds are singing, there is a dewdrop on the branch of a tree. The sun shines and it sparkles like a diamond in the light. And just so is the willingness to rejoice in the good fortune of others, an attitude that is totally removed 
from envy and jealousy. With these three sun images, the midday, sunset, sunrise, we have images for the more outgoing qualities of the first three Brahmaviharas. Tennis, bhikkhu, Analayo says, equanimity is more of a standing back. It is not looking away, it is not indifference, but it is an open being there, a holding of the situation with awareness, but without moving towards others, without moving away from others, just allowing them to do or to be just the way they are. In this sun simile, equanimity finds its counterpart in the full moon, which reflects the sunlight. It's the beautiful moonlight when the sky is free from clouds. The moon also shines but not as brightly as the sun. It also gives some warmth, but not as strongly as the sun. It's a reflection of it. <coughs> so, as we have a full moon day today, Tonight, you can go out and look at the full moon. Enjoy the beautiful light of a full moon. As I said, metta meditation is a type of samatha meditation, and the purpose of samatha meditation is to develop a calm, tranquil and deeply concentrated state of mind and this deep concentration can lead to the jhanas, the absorptions. One of the advantages of metta meditation as a samatha meditation practice is the fact that we do not only develop deep concentration on top of the concentration, we also cultivate and strengthen loving-kindness. Or, in the case of the other three Brahma-viharas, on top of the concentration, we uh, cultivate and strengthen compassion, or sympathetic joy, or equanimity. If we take an object like Anapanasati or one of the casinas, then we only develop concentration. Well, by doing so, we can enjoy all the benefits of a well-concentrated mind. 
and this is not nothing. But with the practice of the four Brahma Viharas, we develop and strengthen qualities of the heart and mind which are so important in the whole process of purifying our heart and mind. Qualities which are so important in the whole process of developing understanding and wisdom or qualities which are so important in the whole process of liberation. Some years ago, I was teaching a two-week retreat in the Blue Mountains in Australia, which is, uh, the Blue Mountains are near Sydney, on the East Coast. And actually, I was teaching this retreat together with Venerable Viranyani. And so during these two weeks, we had the first week dedicated to the practice of metta meditation, and then the second week was vipassana meditation. And none of the yogis, meditators who attended that retreat had ever practiced metta so extensively. They had maybe practiced metta for an hour as a guided metta meditation, maybe at the most had done a day long. And so after, and we practiced the metta meditation basically in the same way as you are instructed here. And so then after one week, we changed to the Vipassana meditation. And for all the meditators, it was really amazing to realize what this one week of metta meditation had made with them. First of all, they noticed that the mind had become fairly concentrated. But what was really outstanding for them was the way they approached the Vipassana meditation. Many of them said that they were much kinder to themselves and the difficult experiences that they had usually. They noticed a shift in the heart and mind. So they noticed that they were kinder, less judgmental, less self-denigrating, and much more at ease, even with difficult experiences. Then there is another advantage of choosing metta meditation as, as a samatha meditation. As we know, the way to become fully liberated leads via the way of wisdom. The practice 
of samatha meditation alone does not lead all the way to complete liberation. However, samatha meditation can serve as a very powerful springboard for liberation because it provides a good foundation of one-pointedness or concentration. A concentrated mind is free from the hindrances and when the mind is free from the hindrances it is clear and sharp and this clarity and this sharpness of the mind provide a good base for clear insight and understanding to arise. Then things can be seen as they really are. And so in this way, insight, understanding and wisdom develop. When we reach the jhanas, or absorptions with the practice of samatha meditation, then this state is also called liberation of mind. But here we need to know that this does not mean the complete liberation from greed, hatred and delusion. So this does not refer to the attainment of Nibbana. But this term liberation of mind in the context of Samatha meditation, this refers to a mind liberated from the hindrances. So while being absorbed in the jhanas, the mind is liberated from the hindrances. Now, with the practice of metta meditation as a form of samatha meditation, this is a bit different. Bhikkhu Analayo points out that this state called liberation of mind can already be experienced with the metta practice even if one has not yet attained the jhanas. He says that if we are able to dwell with a heart and mind full of metta, meaning really pure and genuine metta, then this experience can be called liberation of mind. And he explains that it's called liberation of mind because there is no dosa and there is no loba present in the mind. So no forms of anger, aversion, hatred and no forms of craving, wanting, desire or attachment. So with strong, powerful and pure metta the mind is free from all these forms of dosa and loba and therefore it's, uh, also be, uh, it can also be called 
um, a mind, a li- the liberation of mind. <coughs> And so, in the course of the metta meditation practice, even though this liberation of mind does not yet take place, or or does not take place at the jhana level, it's already heaven on earth. It's as if we were in heaven. It's as if we were dwelling like the Brahmas. Because then the heart, the mind, simply rests in this beautiful, positive or wholesome mental state. And in the case of metta, this beautiful, wholesome state then radiates kindness in all directions for all beings excluding none and this is something we are all able to do given we engage in this practice so this level of quote unquote attainment if we can call it an attainment, is easier to reach than absorption. And especially for those meditators who are under the stress of having to attain something, like having to attain the jhanas. So this may help to ease their mind. Of course, eventually the practice leads to the jhanas, to the absorptions. It's not that we leave it aside, but if you are not under the stress of having to attain it, then there is a much softer, a much easier way into it. because it cannot be stressed enough that we need to be somehow relaxed in our practice. And this refers to both samatha and vipassana practice. It's only a relaxed mind that is soft and pliable, wieldy and transformable. If we exert so much effort that the mind and body as well become tight and stiff and rigid, then we do not get very far. If we exert so much effort, then we end up fighting, fighting with the practice, fighting with the hindrances, fighting with ourselves. And this in turn makes us even tighter and more rigid. And not to speak of all the disappointment and frustration and aversion 
that can arise. So, as we know, and as we have already experienced from, for ourselves through the practice, the practice of metta meditation has the capacity to open our heart. When the heart is open, we can live with a benevolent attitude towards all beings. This metta moisturizer makes our heart and mind soft and gentle, kind and loving, friendly and caring. And all these positive qualities of metta are of great help in our lives. They are of great help in our day-to-day life when dealing with other people, with other living beings. And they are also of great help in our meditation practice. On the one hand, with this quality of metta firmly established in our heart and mind, we can deal with difficult experiences more skillfully. And on the other hand, the practice of metta meditation can serve as a powerful foundation for the practice of vipassana meditation. Sayadaw Uindaka has written a book on the practice of metta meditation and how it can serve as a basis for the vipassana meditation practice. He has written this book in Burmese and I have translated it into English and also into German. So towards the end of this retreat, I think we will talk more of how it can serve as a basis for Vipassana meditation practice and how we can integrate the metta practice in our day-to-day life. And you will also get the information of how to get either the English or the German book. So whether we call it metta, whether we call it to have a good heart, the important thing is to embody this quality. The important thing is to fully live this quality, day in and day out. And here is a short story of a man who fully embodied kindness or to have a good heart. And this happened about seven months ago in the USA. So a number of prisoners 
were waiting in a room before they had to appear uh, in court. A security guard was standing in front of the door of the room they were waiting. And this door had a small window. And all of a sudden, a prisoner saw that the guard fell on the ground. And so the prisoners uh, started to shout. And because nobody came to see what had happened to the guard outside of the room, they finally managed to forcefully open the door. And the prisoner who took the initiative then later said, we left our room although we knew how dangerous it was. Some of the other men, prisoners, were afraid that the police would come and shoot us. But for me, it was just common sense to help this guard. It didn't matter that he was wearing a uniform and a weapon. He is a good person. So then finally, three policemen arrived. And first of all, they thought that the prisoners wanted to escape and that they had knocked down the security guard. But in the end, everything was clarified and the guard soon recovered from his loss of consciousness. To be kind or to have a good heart is what matters. So if we, if we adorn the heart and mind with kindness, with friendliness and a benevolent attitude, we not only benefit ourselves, but we benefit uncountable living beings wherever they are. I thank you for your kind attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.